strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Uh, I think I'm just going to get right into it. I'm like in the mood. Let's just like loosen it up. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight I'm going to be talking to you about the Donner Party. And for those of you who do not know about the Donner Party, you're in for a treat or a disgusting, disgusting <laughs> tale. So trigger warning. Yes. You, yeah. For sure. If you have any issues um, regarding um, the thoughts and discussion of cannibalism, suffering, starvation, just general human tragedy, you might want to sit this one out. Because uh, I feel like the next like 20 to 30 minutes is probably going to be a little bit of a dark dark yeah, tale yeah be prepared we warned you we know <laughs> just know what you're getting into it's That's not all. great it's not great but i will say that from the perspective of a notorious narrative this is one of the first stories that i remember learning in history class that stuck with me so deeply that i remembered it always oh yeah the donner party that's just the right it's just the name itself it's i mean it's the name of like an entire area mm-hmm. in the sierra nevada mountains there are huge like mountain resorts that are like the donner like there's donner lake like mm-hmm. donner's pass like that yeah. whole area it's like they really like carved their name in history yeah. so if you heard that if you heard about the donner party before then welcome if not then you're gonna learn something new just be prepared. We warned you. Right. It's going to be a little, a little hard. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little difficult. <laughs> All right. So, um, the Donner Party is considered to be one of the greatest tragedies of Western migration. Um, for people in the 19th century, moving to the West Coast was a huge deal. The Western frontier offered the promise of independence and upper mobility. Like all of the people who lived in the East Coast, they had these like working class jobs and, you know, they felt like they were doing okay, but they could never really get to that next level. You know, there was nowhere for them to go. Mm-hmm. So they felt like if they could just get to like California, that like there would be this like promised land of like riches and wealth. And that was the way it was like advertised yeah, well, in all the, the newspapers. Yeah, Right. It was land. If you move out this way, you will get land. And not only that, like California is a very fertile place. Mm -hmm. A lot of like, you know, you could definitely like grow crops and create for yourself a different kind of life than you had working in a factory or like on a railroad Mm -hmm. or in a shop. Like this was like, you know, you didn't have to be like a chambermaid. You didn't have to be working like as like a servant in house. This was your moment. Like this is the way to grow yourself. Right. To move out forward. So when we're talking about these people who like left their lives to move west, I just wanted to give a little bit of a frame of like Mm -hmm. why they would bother to do so. So when you were traveling to California, there was something called the California Trail. And it went from East Coast to West Coast. And it was basically the trail that everyone took with their wagons, with their huge wagon trains to get there. And this is the way that everyone went. And it took a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah. So you, it was a very strict schedule. Like you had to leave at just the right time to cover that like, you know, two to 3000 miles, depending on where you were leaving from. Can you imagine? I mean, just just imagine sitting on a train right now like our our transportation is so much better than like than it was back then but imagine going from new jersey new york all the way california on a train back then no these weren't trains there weren't trains what were they no 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 a wagon train oh wagon train is just a huge group of wagons oh i didn't hear wagon i heard just i just heard train it's like (laughs) You know, you're talking about the old school, like, um, computer game. It's like Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. We're yeah. talking about Oregon Trail here. Got it. Ideally, it's Oregon Trail, the game. I thought it was, like, the first, but like, in a story. legit 
train. No. No, these are wagons and like oh. a wagon train, like best case scenario, oh, a group of wagons. Worse than I thought. Oh my God. All right. So, same question. Imagine <laughs> transportation now versus a wagon train. We're talking about wooden wheels, people. And so we're not talking about paved like, roads. This, this is, is not, bumpy business. Yeah. This isn't, this is not like a three days transit time. This no, no, is no, 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 no. Weeks. So their best case was about four months. Oh, my God. Was four months travel. Four months. The best that they could really do was about 12 to 20 miles in a day. Best case scenario they could cover was 12 to 20 miles in a day. But the whole crux of everything was that you had to leave late enough in the spring that there was grass for your pack animals, for the oxen who were pulling the, and for the mules who were carrying, like, mm-hmm. the packs. All of these, like, utilitarian animals that you have with you need to be fed and watered along the way. Yeah. So not only do you have to make sure that you get there in, like, a safe way, but you also have to make sure that they're fed and rested. So there's a lot of moving parts to, like, going onto the California Trail. But you also have to leave – you have to leave late enough to get the grass – Mm-hmm. But you have to leave early enough to get across the mountains that enter California before the snowy season begins. So it's like, it's real intense math. But if you, if you weren't aware of this math, like if you weren't aware of the, the climate and the habitat, if you're- They like, were all aware of it. Were they? Like It was like, it was a very well publicized way that you should go. And uh, they're like, this is how you go. That's impressive. Don't fuck it up. So God love them. I'm impressed. The Donner Party, what did they do? They fucked it up. <laughs> so I'll tell you how they fucked it up. So in the spring, April of 1846, two wealthy brothers, Jacob and George Donner, gathered a group of like a few other families um, and they left from Springfield, Illinois. These are both like, they're pretty wealthy men. And they also joined were joined by the Reed family. They're a very large, well-to-do family. They had this elaborate two-story wagon with its own stove inside. Two-story wagon. These were not poor people. Poor oxen. Right. It took eight oxen to pull this wagon. So these were not poor people who were leaving. This was like, they were doing pretty well, but they wanted to do even better for themselves. So Mm -hmm. like, we're going to go to California. Between the Reeds and the Donners, that initial group of people that left from Springfield, Illinois, uh, was 32 people. They traveled to resupply, and they stopped to resupply in Independence, Missouri, And they got there on May 12th. And then they met up with, um, they left from there. And then they met up with a huge, large wagon train. And that brought their numbers up to 87. So they they started to travel with 32 people and then they ended up with 87. Right. So like people were always traveling to the California Trail. Yeah. This wasn't like, it wasn't abandoned. It's like, oh, hey, we're going to join your greet. Like whatever. Okay. But they started with 32 from Illinois. They stopped in Missouri to resupply, met up with a few more people, took off. Then they met up with this huge wagon train, and yeah. even more of them left together. So they took with them as many amenities from home as possible. Some of the wagons even came equipped with their own stoves, cushioned seats, bunk beds. But they were the last pioneer group to leave the east to go to the west in 1846. So they're already running wow. behind schedule when they left. Yeah, Some of the members of the party were already concerned about their late departure, in one of the journals, um, one of the men wrote, I am alarmed by the tardiness of our movements and am fearful that the winter will find us trapped in the snowy mountains of California. And this was written in May. So he was already concerned because the trip to California was so well documented by so many people that they knew how long it took. 
So it wasn't. I, I find that I find that fascinating. I know. It's so. <laughs> it's like a Yelp review back in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> it's absolutely. It's like Google Maps. Yeah. Like there was like a little blue line drawn. Yeah. If you go from Illinois, way, if you go this way, don't go. Th- but stop at this place. This place is great. This is will accommodate you very easy and a go great this fort way, to like, stop at. Yeah. It's a lot of burping. We are a gassy bunch. Blame the champagne. Anyway, the Donners and the Reeds had read this book called An Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California by a man named Lansford Hastings. The book promised a new route to California that was discovered by him, and it promised 400 uh, miles of easy terrain, and that would actually make the trip much shorter. The thing that they did not know was that this route was completely untested, and that not even (laughs) dear Mr. Hastings had ever taken it. And the other thing they didn't know was that Lansford Hastings was actually a little bit of a man- Was he a liar? (sighs) He was a liar, but he was also an egomaniac Mm. and a little bit just narcissistic. And what he was actually trying to do was he was trying to get people to come through a specific way. So they would land at Sutter's Fort, which is modern day Sacramento. So he was trying to get them to come there where he thought that he could sort of build an empire and become something of like a king. So a little bit of a douchebag. The travelers continued on and they were doing pretty well. When they reached Fort Laramie, they were actually only a week behind schedule. But it was here that they ran into a man named James Kleiman, who was a well-known like California traveler like he had been back and forth many times um he was actually well known to one of the people who was in charge of the trip uh James Reed and Mr. Kleiman actually warned them against taking this new route he told them that he had been that way and it was barely passable by foot and there was absolutely no way that they were going to get through that pass yeah with this extensive their two-story wagon just wasn't going to make it through I'm sorry it's like a double-decker bus trying to get through like no so while they were there um they were actually delivered a letter from Hastings stating that he would meet them at a place called Fort Bridger and that he was going to help them and he was going to guide them down his new route. So the man who wrote the book is now going to meet them at their next stop and take them on this route. So everyone's worries are squashed. They're like, you know what? Let's take this route. This man's actually going to meet us. He's so going to take us this on this route. Is still 87 people now, right? At this point, I think there's even more than 87. Oh my, that's a lot of, that's a lot of people. Yes. Oh my God. So they, they left oh, from Indi- they left from Illinois. They went to Missouri. Yeah. The 37 began, became more. And then they, then they left the from train. Missouri and they met up with even more people and became yeah. even more. So there's a huge group. So now you're talking about maybe 100? Uh, probably more. There was a 100 people plus right. horses and oxen and donkeys and so, like whatever type of other. Yeah. They're going to split up into other groups later. So you don't know as many, much about the people who are with mm-hmm. them at this point, because eventually there is a split that are people who are like, you know what? We're not taking this fucking cuckoo bird Hastings route. We're just going to take the route that everyone else takes, that everyone gets there safe. And we're just going to do that. We're not going to take this like untested route that nobody knows or, about. Or maybe at least turn around and go back to the city they just went to and just hang right. it there for like a while. Yeah. So there are people who are just like, yo, this is this is not cool. Peace <laughs> Bye. <out." laughs> yeah. So this guy, James Kleiman, um, is basically like, you should absolutely not go this way it's not going to be safe people are going to die but then they got this letter from hastings that said we're going to meet at fort bridger blah 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 blah. so the the group arrived at fort bridger on july 28th and guess who was not there oh hastings hastings isn't there but they were left a note saying that they should go ahead and because he had already left with another group previous because they were running late and then he should just they should come ahead and meet him but he was going to mark the trail for him them 
The one problem was that when they left Fort Bridger on July 31st with 20 wagons and 74 people at this point, wow. because some people were like, I'm not going that way. No. That's a cra- <laughs> yeah. crazy pants. So now it's July 31st and they leave with 20 wagons and 74 people. Um, and they made very good time for about a week going down Hastings Path. When they reached Weber River after passing through Echo Canyon, another message awaited them that said not to follow down Weber Canyon, um, Weber River, not to go down Weber River, but instead to follow a trail that ran north along the Great Salt Basin. The party camped near Hennifer. Hennifer. Is it Hennifer? Yeah, it is Hennifer. The party moved forward and camped near what is modern day Hennifer, Utah, where James Reed uh, and two other men decided that rather than continuing to get these notes from Hastings, they were just going to go ahead and meet up with him and actually check the path ahead. So they caught up with Hastings and received instructions on how to achieve like this route through the mountains that was going to. I mean, you should not because we all know how this ends. Um, So. I'm like, this got shady shit. For sure. So Reed gets back after meeting up with Hastings. So he comes back and he's like, hey guys, you know, I have the directions. I know how to get there. But he had wasted eight days. So now we're just losing So they, they were already a week behind and now they just lost another Now they're days. two weeks behind. So they departed um, August 11th and began the arduous journey through the Wasatch Mountains. Um, this passage was even more difficult than the previous one. And they actually had to carve their own way through. Like they had to cut trees down. They had to move giant boulders. They wasted immensely valuable time. On this, by this decision alone, they lost 18 days. So now at the eight days, the 18 days and the week, they've lost over a month. So they're four months now moving well yeah, into the you, middle you of said five. that they, they can go, what, 15 to 20 miles a day? And now if you're cutting your own terrain and you're trying to make your own yeah. path, you're cut down to what, 10 maybe? Yeah, so they had actually... <laughs> going this direction in 21 days guess how far they got 21 days Mm -hmm. they said they can do at least 15 20 so um 32 miles wow you're super fucking close 36 oh (laughs) that's really impressive (laughs) so um yeah so they had made it 36 miles in 21 days so by the time they actually reached the great salt lake the group was super unhappy at this point they're blaming hastings they're blaming reed they're like this is ridiculous we've lost so much time this isn't safe it was starting to set in that the supplies were running very low and that time was not on their side on august 30th uh, they began the trek across the great salt lake desert they were told by hastings that this was going to take them two days But the desert sand was moist. It was deep. They lost two wagons because they just got bogged down in the sand and they couldn't get them out. People nearly died of dehydration because as they crossed the Great Salt Lake, before they decided to cross, they gathered supplies. They gathered as much water as they could. They gathered grass to feed the oxen and the other pack animals. But they got enough to last for two days, not for five. And that was like almost twice as long. All told, they lost two wagons and 32 oxen. So realizing that their supplies were super limited and that they knew that this was not going well for them, that they needed to send someone ahead to get some supplies. So they sent two of their best men ahead to Sutter's Fort. So Sutter's Fort, Sacramento, we're going to send these people ahead, have them get us some supplies, come back and meet us, which smart, seems reasonable, right? Yeah, but how much can they carry on their own? Wait for it, girl. Oh, sorry. These people are no fools and they have no trouble stringing along uh, some donkeys. Got it. stuff, right? Got it. That's a lot of money, though. These were not poor people. It's true. They were like wasting money left and right. They put a stove in a wagon. I mean, I know, but I mean, like they're going to... Make a fire every day. I feel I feel like th- these are the type of people that, okay, okay, they ran out of gas on the highway. The husband left to go get more gas, but instead he came back with a bigger car. It's a pretty good analogy. Right? Like, for, that's like, yeah. 
That's sort of yes of and no. gas. You just get an entire new vehicle. It's a whole big mess. But you know, when people run out of food and people run out of water and things are taking too long, what happens? You go a little. People get a little crotchety. Mm-hmm. People get a little angry. People and, start to and- fight a little bit. They're leading us on this fucking wild goose chase this ding dong hastings is taking us down this path that makes no sense and these guys are taking us with them you know and these are our lives and they're getting very angry so at this point um one of the leaders james reed gets into an altercation with a man named john snyder john snyder is apparently whipping his oxen in a way that like just rubs James uh, James Reed the wrong way. And so they get into this huge altercation. James Reed just goes ahead and stabs him in the stomach and kills him. Oh. So, yeah. So de- dehydration and a long travel yeah. can do something to someone. Right. So, I mean, even before we get to, like, the real shit that happens in the mountains. It's, it's beginning. You should know. It's already The shit started. was already kind of, like, headed that way. Yeah. At this point, they've already lost a couple of people to just, like... You just stab someone. Right. So, he just decides to stab him. So, the rest of the Donner party, because he's... James Reed's one of the leaders. They're like, you know what? Fuck you, So, dude. this was Reed who stabbed the guy. Yes. So, Reed and Donner are, like, BFF. They're the two families that left Springfield and Illinois together. So, these are, like wealthy people that bring everyone with them the donner party this huge group of people they decide to take a vote and they're like what do we do with this guy like we just can't have people stabbing and killing people in our wagon train yeah right there's got to be some rules a little decency please please calm down for like a second so a few people vote to just hang him (gasps) whoa but in the end he's banished so he left um left on horseback with another man and they left the group he left his family i was gonna say does he have like like a family and children he leaves his family with the group because he feels that they're safer with a large group than alone with him but also along the way there's another man who's like sort of weak and ill and as the pack animals get more and more tired they decide that anyone who can walk must walk oh yeah yeah. so you can't just pull extra weight because i get that so those who are weak and ill start to be forced to, like, if you can't keep up, then you just need to not keep up. So there's one man that's literally left under a tree to die. So we're getting into, like, some real harsh realities, mm-hmm. like, pretty quickly. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pie. People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So how how long is it now that they're? It's, we it's, are it's, sometime in like September, early October, and they started in, in April. April. I was going right. to say May. So okay, yeah. Wow. So so we're getting. So normally this route took four months. Yes. Yes. 
So decisions were made that clearly were not great. So also along the way, they were attacked by uh, the Piute tribe and another 21 of their oxen were killed by poison arrows. Uh, Just as they reached the Sierra Nevada mountains, one of the men who had been sent ahead for supplies did come back and he met them with seven mules loaded with supplies as well as two Native American guides to help get them the rest of the way. When... This gentleman gets back with these supplies. He comes with, like, meat and, like, you know, potatoes and clothing. And, you know, they're, like, ready, right? So, like, they have their Native American guides. They have supplies. They're like, you know what? Let's just chill out. Let the animals rest. Mm -hmm. And they decide to take a five-day rest. Five days. And this is, like... The five day rest, <laughs> it's like before the final push. I know that seems so ridiculous yeah. to us. Yeah, <laughs> but that was the decision they made. Um, so when they reached the Sierra Nevada mountains and the crossing, um, over into California, it was October twenty eighth. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is very very late April in the season. 20th. Yeah, so at this point, they only had one hundred miles left of you know twenty five hundred. So and like so, they're so 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 very close to the it's finish like, you line. Know, like that that can be done like in a day, but to them that can be in five days because if they're going to do like, you know, yes, it could have been done in five days. Yeah, are you catching my drift? Yep. About the five day rest, I get it. Or the eight days they spent waiting for the guy or to the come 21 back. Twenty one days, yeah. Or I the twenty one additional days that it took them to go down Hastings route. So as they began the crossing, an early blizzard blanketed the mountains with several feet of snow. Initially, they were able to navigate by daylight, but eventually the trails turned to ice. So they decided that, you know what, we're stuck. Let's just start setting up some camps. The Donner's wagon uh, broke an axle. So 22 people stayed behind and helped them set up the new axle. Like they're cutting down a tree to create a new axle. And they're setting up camp there 22 miles ahead. The rest of the party, they found one cabin that was there, just like a makeshift cabin in Mm -hmm. the woods. And they're like, you know what, we're just going to call this camp. We're going to build a few other cabins, a few tents. We're just going to, we're going to be stuck. And they, at this point, they're like, you know, it's early in the season. The snow is going to melt. We're going to eventually get out. But they were already like starting to build cabins and everything. Yeah. Well, because they had to wait for feet of snow to melt. But of course, the feet of snow did not melt. And many more feet of snow came after that. So at this point, they had lost many, many supplies and livestock. Also, more than half of the Donner Party were under 18 years old. Oh, no. And six of them were infants. It's not great. It's not great, people. So here we go. We're about to go deep, deep, deep into the dark, dark well Mm -hmm. of human suffering. So soon the true suffering and starvation began to set in. By mid-December, 15 of the strongest members of the party left by foot. It consisted of nine men, five women, and one child. They decided they just made some snowshoes and they were like, there's no way we're getting out of here if some people don't go ahead and tell people we're here. Yeah. We have to get, we have to get help. We need somebody to be coming for us or everyone's going to die. So these people, they're like in the best shape. They're the like most nourished. Let's just like get this done. So they begin wandering the barren frozen terrain for days. Uh, They're starving on the verge of collapse. Um, At this point, they resign themselves to cannibalism. Um, They start to plan that there's no way that we're all going to make it. So they started talking about how they were going to draw lots for a sacrifice or maybe two of the men would have a duel. And they were already talking about this. They were like, 
clearly we're we have to like somebody has to get out or 87 people die we have to figure this out but eventually <laughs> you know nature took its course and a few of the party members desire uh just died naturally uh you know starvation exhaustion dehydration um these survivors were roasted and their flesh was consumed uh they continued the trek to Sutter's Fort and consumed the bodies of those who died along the way. They were roasted at least. I mean, I guess they were able to make fires. I mean, I guess, so I guess here's the point, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is the point where, I mean, the conversation. Like, I don't know how much I should say about what I think happened um, because I think that people will judge me for it. But I have a very specific way that I think. This is the topic that we, you would we, go. We warned everyone. So you were warned. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is the point where I say to you, Robin, mm-hmm. do you eat human flesh in this situation? Yes. For sure. I think that I, if I was in that situation and... And people are dying naturally around yeah, you. naturally around me. I mean, it, it's, it's... And your survival means the survival of, of, of another family, 72 people My family, you. my my friends, uh, my children, children, everything. Yeah, I would sacri- sacrifice myself for 72 people in order so to you're save willing their life. To, so you're willing to be eaten or you're well, willing no. to eat? If if I have natural causes, I'll be like, eat me. Go ahead. For sure. Knock, knock yourself out. Totally. Just, I agree. Yeah. But if that in, in, in that situation where if I'm a survivor and I need to eat someone, if there's a fire and it's roasted... I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to go for it and I'm going to con- I'm going to continue trucking. So I'm not sure that I could do it because I mean you know I'm a kind of a finicky eater baseline. No, I think I think I would have to. I think that I'm like I have to move forward, I have to do this and I have to get back to these but people. But I do wonder if I could cook it enough that it was essentially it's leather. It's not like it's not like the the soccer team that landed in the Alps or whatever it was with them with the made the raw. Yes, you're talking yeah. about alive the soccer team. Yes. Yeah. So you would need human sushi. No. No, but you would eat roasted. Yeah. So that's that's the difference for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So in my mind, how I imagine this sort of going, I imagine that people take a sharp pointed stick. Um, they use like, their like knives. A, like a kebab. A kebab, if you will. But like long enough that you could like stick it in the fire. Mm-hmm. I imagine that they thinly slice um, probably the thigh or the buttock and that they put it on almost like kebab meat and cook it like that over the fire. That's my general idea of like how I think prosciutto. this goes. A little bit like a prosciutto. I feel like we're going into like, a, <laughs> not to use this word, oh God, I hate myself in savory territory. I think we, enough talking about actually eating humans. Okay, let's just move forward. I don't know how much more, blah. Okay. I don't think I can do it. I think I'd just I just be think, like, yo, just kill me. I just. No, I think, you know, the difference is that I'm not like worth in, it. In, in, in this, in, <laughs> you know. Like I in got some good meat on me. In this situation, I'm I am in order for me to survive, I'm gonna save over seventy people, sure. women and children, right? In other aspects, if I was to crash into a mountain uh, in an airplane and the only thing that's surviving is me. The only like and the only way for me to survive is to eat someone, I wouldn't do it. Gotcha. I would I would rather die because what what who it's else not about- am I saving? If right. I die I'm saving people. Okay. I'd rather do that. But in order for me to eat this person who died of natural causes, in order for for me to save 70 plus people and children. Yeah, I mean. I'm going to fucking do it. They, I mean, I'm going to do it. It's not about me. It's about everyone else. And then after I'm done and I get to survive, then kill me. (laughs) Then put a a bullet in my head because I'm fucked up for life. (laughs) You know? So for you. I'm done. For you, it's about saving the people Others. you're leaving that are that are still stuck behind you. So that works really well for this group of people. 
but they are not the only group of people who resort to cannibalism. We'll get there. So this group of people who took off uh, towards Sutter's Fort, these 15 strong people who turned to cannibalism, uh, history will remember it as a travel that's known as the Forlorn Hope. Uh, during the Forlorn Hope, part of the um, part during part of that journey, the people that were there, that group, met up with two Native Americans named Salvador and Luis during their travel. And they were like, we're going to help these people get through. And then like together as a group, we're going to get through to California. They were all kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, how many people are fucking stuck in these mountains? Jesus. But the Native Americans refused to partake in the cannibalistic practices that had been adopted uh, by this group at that Mm -hmm. point. So once they realized that this is what was going on, they ran away. They were found uh, within a couple of days. They were found exhausted, laying under trees near death, but they were then murdered and consumed. Oh, oh, okay. That's, that's man- where, that's where it's different. Just wait. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't necessarily get better from here. So a man named William Foster was the one who found them and he was like, they're going to die anyway. So let's just kill them and eat them and, eat and then them. we can get through. So at this point, so they're not making people, a choice these about. These people who chose not to eat human right. flesh. They were like, now going to die because, because they, they had not. choose not to do that. But now they're going to be murdered and used for. And they actually food. left. Because they were scared mm-hmm. that they were going to end up killing them and eating them. And now they... And now they, that's they exactly they, what happened. They didn't get too far. So they were butchered and eaten. Meanwhile, back at Truckee Lake, which is the name um, of that area where the party was mostly left, there were about 60 people there that were stranded. At this point, these are the people who are left behind, so they're forced to eat whatever they can. At this point, they're, they're slaughtering the pack animals. They're slaughtering the pet dogs. Aww. They're boiling bones until the bones actually dissolve, so they can just eat the bones is like a paste. They're boiling the rawhide roofs of the wagons. They're boiling, they're eating twigs. They're eating string. They're doing everything that they can. Aren't, aren't most wagons, um, the roofs are made from leather, right? Right, the rawhide, yeah. right. Yeah, so it's essentially like, I mean, like it's like a dog treat. So they would boil them until it became like a paste. Wow. And they would just eat the paste. They said it was like a glue. Yeah. Like this like. So it just coated your stomach for gray a very ooze. long time. Right, but I mean, I guess there was some amount of protein in it, I suppose. Unless you add some things from nature into it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I know that they were adding (laughs) some pine bark. I don't know what else. Maybe there was some sap they were able, I don't know, you do what you have to do, right? Absolutely. Those that were left behind um, after exhausting every possible source of nutrition Mm -hmm. uh, did resort to cannibalism of eating the frozen corpses of the dead. Approximately half of the surviving members of the Donner Party had resorted to eating human flesh. So (laughs) I wrote a question here and um, I wonder if anyone who ate the flesh died and they're like, fuck, I like ate a person and I'm still fucking going to die of starvation. Do you know what I mean? So like, so how, how, so how do you think that is? Is it, is it double cattle, uh, double cannibalism? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, ew, it's like a turducken. Yeah. Ew. I hate it. Um, (laughs) We have to make some type of humor on it because it's a very difficult subject. By the end of April, nearly half of the people had died. And so there were rescue efforts that were continuously coming into the mountains. They started in mid-January, but many were too weak to walk. And so they would come to rescue and they can only take those who are able to get out because still frozen. So at this point, like the only people who like... We can give you a few supplies, but you have to be able to walk yeah. out with us. And if you can't walk out with us, then you, you can't come. Yeah. Right? So I'm just thinking about the children now. Wait, I have a really cool children's story. So in March of 1847, a rescue effort was led by a man named John Stark. He rescued Stark. 
Iron Man. Sorry. For sure. Um, a rescue effort led by a man named John Stark. He rescued 11 children. Yeah. Single-handedly. See? Iron Man. So he came upon um, a group of children that had been left behind because they were too weak to walk. So he would carry two at a time. He would carry them for 10 to 20 yards, put them down, go back and get two more. Carry them 10 to 20 yards, go back, get two more. And he did this all the way down the mountain and he saved nine of the 11 children. Oh, wow. So if you take nothing else, a shimmer of hope, John Stark. I like him. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So the last member of the Donner Party to be rescued uh, was in April of 1847. His name was Louis Kessler. April, so now it's a year. Yes, we are now at one year. He was found half mad, surrounded by cannibalized bodies of his former traveling companions. He was actually accused of killing the people who remained with him. Because when the last party left, they felt like the people that were there should have been able to survive till the next rescue party got there. Um, But they were never able to, like, prove anything. So they actually think that he just went mad and killed them. Got really into uh, eating people (laughs) and killing people. Yeah. So, so he, he, like, he basically became a predator. He was an animal. Right, right. So he hunted these people. In That's terms just... of, yeah, it turns into, like, a total, like, alien versus predator situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, you're, like, covered in the mud. Yeah. With, like, your knife. <laughs> like, down in the dirt. So, in the Donner Party, just like everywhere else, mm-hmm. um, being part of a family is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the 11 single men who went out, on the Donner Party, only two of them survived. Uh, meanwhile, two families remained completely intact. The Reeds and the Breens suffered zero Reeds fatalities. Reeds and the Breens? The Reeds and the Breens suffered Aww. zero fatalities. Good for them. Yeah. I'm clapping. <laughs> I mean, except that the one Reed guy totally stabbed the guy and got banished. I know. I know. But, but well, he went ahead and he got rescued. He got people to go back and help because yeah. when he actually got to the fort... He found the two people who had gone ahead for supplies, and he so he knew that they were not doing well. But like, hey. So he was like, he started the go, rescue efforts. Go, go, yeah. So he started the rescue efforts. So even though he was, like, kind of a D-bag and, like, did stab that dude, he did sort of kick off, like, the reason why they the people mm-hmm. who survived got saved. Also, uh, uh, But I'm happy to hear that people actually did survive, like, yeah. whole families. That's yeah. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, one of the survivors uh, was only one year old at the time. Oh. And she lived until 1935. So she, rem- oh, she encountered, oh, How crazy is that? Well, I don't think she remembered. Yeah. I'm just saying that she lived all the way till 1935. But it would have been awesome if she was like maybe five. But. And then she was able like, to tell the story. But tons of people told the story. Yeah. So, so many people were t- like writing journals and diaries during the time. And actually when the Donner Party arrived, there were already huge, like, wild speculations about everything that was going on. And a lot of these journals and diaries ended up being published. And there's actually books, many books of these diaries. That's really cool. Um, that have been printed uh, recounting these events. But after this, actually, <laughs> um, for, like, the next year, emigration to California kind of, like, dropped off pretty significantly. Oh, really? <laughs> I guess, like, people thought that it was, like, a pretty relatively safe journey. So hearing that, like half of the people died and half of the half that survived had to survive by eating people they're sort of like yeah maybe you know the moral story is stick to one course don't if a course is proven of path you know like you know what it is never take a shortcut you know if we're gonna learn anything tonight let's learn a singular lesson there are no shortcuts in life don't trust anyone
So they've been um, excavating the area consistently throughout the years, but that they've they've gone through like archaeologically, like trying to find like proof of what was going on there. And what they they didn't find proof of like eaten human remains, but they did find proof that they used every possible thing for food. Absolutely, I think that they would just use entire like the last resource. Yeah, yeah. While I was researching this, I actually ran across a few other things about uh, cannibalism in like more in like modern day society. And I read about like, I guess in the 1990s, in a certain area of Brazil, uh, cannibalism sort of started to resurface and people were, you know, eating human remains that they were finding in garbage dumps, which leads to a whole Why mess of other questions. Are human remains in garbage dumps? Right. So well, at this what point, are they doing there? Yeah, it's like one of those like feed the children commercials where you see the kid going to the garbage dump, dump, except they like find an arm and decide they're going to go ahead and eat it. I understand there's a lot of like what like maybe gang related or different types of maybe I diseases just, or I don't know. But, but I did read that like interestingly enough, like there has been some sort of like, you know, scientific but work. Eating these people and they're finding them in dumpsters. Right. But there's been like some scientific work done into like why um mm-hmm. people eat people. Right. So why people eat people or why anyone of a higher intelligence or any mammal of a higher intelligence. So they talked about like the anyone or anything, because also we're talking about like a lot of the great apes Mm -hmm. are also in the uh, genus Homo. Mm -hmm. So anything in the genus Homo, the only reason why they would ever consume members of their own species is for territory or because of a complete lack of resources. So I think that it's important to remember that like, even though we can look back on this and you know, be totally grossed out. Mm-hmm. But like, we will never understand a complete lack of resources like that. And that there are still places in the world that do that no matter what, that like, yeah. there are still that intense lack of resources. Mm-hmm. And there are still those intense territorial, yeah. um, you know, issues that are going on. Absolutely. I mean, I was right? just, I, you know, you asked before, if I was in the Donna party, would I be able to do that? And I'm like, in my mind, yes, because lack of resource, but I'm also in charge of an entire community. I need to fucking do stuff, you know, like I need, right. I need to go on. Because at that point, to, you're trying to save people, right? Yeah. You're not saving like two yeah. people. You're not saving just your kids. You're but saving it's also because of lack many of resource. And, and it's not like I'm going out and I'm, I'm stabbing people and, and, and I'm trying to like, do harm to anyone. These were all people that died of natural causes. I am someone that would want to save a community if I could. Women and children and families and my family and other families. And I would try to do my best to do that. So oh, puppet, you're just yeah. the sweetest. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just something <laughs> I want to do. I'm like, what, like, why am I out here? Why am I doing this? Why am I going out? Yeah. You know, and also not for nothing, but I'm probably not going to be one of the strong people that they choose to go off and find help. I'll oh, probably, you're pretty tough. I'll be probably be back with like the families and doing all that kind of stuff, which means I kind of have to make the decision and be like, oh, well, who are we going to eat today? I want to be the guy <laughs> that like the last one to survive that was like going mad. While Silence of the Lambs is yeah. my absolute favorite movie and my favorite book. I think I'm just about done talking about cannibalism. So if we can just like wrap it up, do you have any further thoughts? None at all. About this. As long as you don't think of me differently after I'm I'm saying I don't. I don't, dear. Um, But I will say that uh, if I've learned one thing tonight, it's never to take a shortcut. And the Donner Party, just another notorious narrative. 
Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.